Well, welcome. Thank you for joining us on um, the Growth Channel. I am delighted to have you with us. I am Sheridan Nelson, um, your host, and I want to personally thank you for joining us for an exciting episode, uh, part three of a series that we are in the midst of entitled Essentialism, and I'm delighted that you have chosen to join us tonight. Um, listen, this uh, podcast channel is here to add value to your life, and it is for the people who are serious about growing. And so I'm delighted as we dive into this third part of this series. So let's get ready now to dive into part three. So we're getting ready to dive in and jump into the word of God for tonight. I hope y'all ready as we are continuing in this series of essentialism. Essentials only is what this series is entitled. And so we are continuing. How many of y'all bought the book? How many of y'all got the book? You've been reading the book Essentialism. Um, some of you may have taken it back off of your shelf um, and reread it in this season. It is a great read, I promise you. And so what we have been doing weekly um, in this series is we've been taking um, some of the teachings and principles from the book Essentialism and coupling them with principles in the word of God as we have been using that to guide us through this study um, for the next couple of weeks. So tonight we're going to dive into part three of that conversation and discussion tonight as we get ready um, for our time in the word. So I hope y'all are ready. I hope y'all are ready. Let's get ready. Let's let's pray. Let's ask God's blessings on our time together tonight and we'll dive in for um, our time in the word. Father, we thank you. We bless you, God, for this this day, another week that you have kept us and spared us. And Father, we just bless you right now for everyone that is viewing, for everyone that is listening now. We ask your blessings that this would be food for their faith. And we pray now that this will be an opportunity for a growth moment. So Holy God, all my powerful God, speak to us now. Holy Spirit, saturate this these airways now and fill our hearts with this word. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. All right, so tonight we're getting ready to dive into part three of this Essentials Only um, series, but quickly I want to revisit what was some of the main points of last week's lesson, um, lesson two, just to kind of have a, re a recap quickly to get us going and get us in the right frame of mind. So on last week, the big question that we had was how can we discern the trivial many from the vital few? That was the big question from last week's lesson is how do we discern the trivial many from the vital few? And so the first point there was we have to understand is that we got to begin to explore. We have to begin to explore and it causes us now to begin to explore our lives, to begin to examine our lives, to begin to discern what the trivial um, many are so we can really get to the vital few things that really become essential um, for our lives. And, and when we begin
begin to explore and begin to really hone in on those things that we discern as the vital few, then that's when we begin to focus on what's essential because the more essential I become, the greater my effectiveness in life, right? And so we begin to explore what's number one. And then the other point we made from last week is escape. You got to escape because without great solitude, there's no serious work is possible. Without great solitude, no serious work is possible. So as we started to explore, we got to escape. We got to get away. We got to create time in, for solitude to be able to hear from God, to be able to process, to be able to think, to just to be able to breathe. Some of us, our lives are so saturated and so cluttered and consumed that we don't have time where we're escaping to just breathe, to look around, to think, to get creative, um, to clear our minds, to allow creativity to come forth. So we need time to escape. So again, we got to explore, we got to escape, and then we got to look. So we to see what really matters. We got to stop. We got to hit the brakes, pump the brakes, and we got to begin to just look at our lives to really begin to see what really matters, what really matters. I got to begin to ask the why, what, when, and who questions um, to kind of really help me to discern what really is essential. Then after we look, here was a big one from last week. We got to play. Remember, we got to embrace the wisdom of the inner child. That's one of the things that becomes a key point in the book and a key thing that we want to lift up. As we begin to examine the life of Mary and Martha, we see, man, Martha was just getting so frustrated and so angry and man, and something that should have been bringing her joy, something that should have been um, bringing her a sense of peace and gratification. It's just the opposite because she is so overwhelmed and so worked up that now she's frustrated and angry that even when it comes to serving and doing something for the Lord, her disposition doesn't embody um, the right spirit and the right attitude. And how many of us are in ministry? Um, we're doing what we're doing, but man, we are, we can be so worked up and so overwhelmed that God is not able to get the glory out of what we're doing. And so that's why we got to create a balance in our lives and create time to play. And when we begin to create time to play, it allows us to be creative um, and our creativity allows us to uh, be able to fuel our lives in a, in a more richer way. Then the other key point was you got to get some sleep. You got to protect the asset. You got to get the right rest. You got to rest your body. You got to rest your mind. Man, I I'm reminded of the powerful quote from Gandhi that says, each night when I go to sleep, I die. And the next morning when I wake up, I am reborn. How many of us can really truly say every night when we go to sleep and wake up the next morning, we feel reborn? We feel rejuvenated. We feel refreshed. We're ready to start that day. Before you get coffee, before you get your energy drinks and all of that stuff, how many of you can say truly that when I wake up in the morning, I feel reborn? Ultimately, that's where you want to get to, right? And so that means you got to protect the asset. Somebody go ahead and um, just type that right now. Make note of that right now. Say, I got to do a better job at protecting um, my asset. And then, 
I got to be more selective. That was the last point from last week. I got to become more selective. Again, we are trying to trim the fat of our lives and get to a point where we are living essential lives. And so I got to become more selective, right? So those were some of the things that were just highlights and recaps from last week. Now let's revisit the text. Let's revisit the text that is essential for us in this study, which is the foundational text. Let's get our Bibles again um, for the third time. And let's reread um, Luke 10 verses uh, 38 um, through uh, 42. Let's get ready to read those verses. All right. So here it is. And Jesus, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Y'all, I love it because Martha made a decision. She just left her because Martha, Mary started focused on what was essential. Jesus was what was essential in that moment, in that instance, right? Tell her to come help me. D listen at the Lord's reply and put your name in verse 41. Put your name there. And he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. All right. So that's that's the pivotal text. That's the text that we're working from. That's our working text that we are examining how we can get to a point where we live lives of essential of, of essentialism. Right. So tonight in lesson three, here is the big question that we have. Right. How can we cut out the trivial many? How can we cut out the trivial many? That's our big question for tonight that will guide us. And there's a couple of key points that will help us get to that, to get to hopefully tonight that will answer the question, how can we cut out the trivial minutes? Many, the hard thing for us to do, the, one of the hardest things for us to do is to cut out those things that we have deemed or discerned that now is a part of the trivial many. All right. So let's remember the illustration that we gave a couple of weeks ago was on trying to declutter and clean out your closets, right? And so you have these clothes divided into piles and you got the must keep and probably should get rid of, but are you really ready to... Um, to, to let some stuff out, to get some stuff out of the bag and to get rid of some stuff. Getting rid of those old clothes isn't easy, is it? It's hard getting rid of old clothes. There's always the nagging fear, here it is, of what if. I might need this later. That's the thing. I might need this. I better hold on to this. I better keep this. I, I, I ain't worn in a year, but the nagging little thought of what if. I might need this. I might wear it again. What if, right? And so that nagging little thing 
causes us to put stuff right back in our closets because we are afraid of what of what the outcome will be if we just really let go and cut it out. But tonight we got to cross that hurdle. And the first thing that we got to do is we got to eliminate. We got to eliminate. There's some things we just can't put back in our closet. Coming out of this um, this time in this pandemic and with all of the time that we've had to really align, realign our lives, to refocus, um, to to really just narrow some stuff down and really become discerning. There's a lot of things that we're having by force to live without. And there are a lot of things by force that have been eliminated from our lives. And so now here is the danger. The more we progress towards things getting back to normal and things opening up and um and 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 and, and stores and 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 the pace of life and the flow of life if we are not careful we will come out of this season of having to been forced to eliminate a lot of things and turn right around and put those things right back in our closets and we cannot, we got to tell ourselves right now, the devil is a liar. I'm not coming out of this time, out of this season, and 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 going back to living my life the same way that I did. There's some things that I'm, I'm eliminating now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being more discerning now. And some things I'm cutting out now, activities, um, some some people, some um, some 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 commitments, I'm cutting them out now. And I have have got to guard myself that I don't mess around and put them right back in the closet of my life and clutter my life right back up um, when when all of this is over. So the first thing I got to do is I got to eliminate. Don't put it back in the closet. Don't keep it in a pile. But just tell yourself the first thing I got to do right now is to eliminate. Here's the question. As we look at the text, what if Martha, prior to Jesus coming, would have eliminated some of the things on her to-do list, right? What if she would have eliminated some of those things? We could suggest that maybe she could have already been prepared for Jesus by the time Jesus got to his house. But it's obvious that maybe, maybe, I'm suggesting because it's, the text doesn't indicate it, but let me just suggest that maybe part of the problem for Martha was trying, like many of us, trying to do it all. And now the time has come where Jesus is in the house and a lot of things like in our lives has been left undone. And now she wants to pull Mary in on the chaos and the confusion of her life, but Mary has made a conscious decision that what's essential for her right now is to be at the feet of Jesus. Jesus says Mary makes a better choice, right? She makes a better choice. That's what gets us in trouble is we don't make the better choices because like last week, we're not discerning what really is essential, what really is priority in this moment, in this season of my life. We really haven't discerned what really should be priority of our life, right? If Martha's 
perhaps would have done that, then maybe things could have been a little more in order by the time Jesus got to her house and she really could have enjoyed the presence, the ministry, and the bene- and got the full benefit of the blessing of Jesus being in her home. But now she tries to pull uh, Mary into the chaos of that moment because things are not fully prepared and ready for when Jesus gets into that house, right? And then Jesus just tells her, hey, hey, you tripping. You're worried and pressed about many things, but only a few things or indeed one thing is priority right now. So we got to eliminate number one. Then secondly, we must clarify, clarify. I got to clarify. We must eliminate any activity that is misaligned with what we are intending to achieve. That's what we got to do. We got to eliminate any activity that is misaligned with what we are attending, intending to achieve. In order to do this, we must be clear about what is our purpose. This is a great time right now to get clarity about the purpose of your life, maybe even the purpose of some of the things that you're committed to. I think this is a great time for churches and ministries and organizations to really clarify purpose to really clarify what is the purpose of my life what what should i really be focusing if i'm a college student um, if i'm if i'm a business owner um if i'm a leader of a ministry or a leader of an organization i need to have clarity of purpose i need to have clarity of what my life is because a lot of times that is where when we miss the miss when we eliminate the activity that is misaligned with what we are intending to achieve. A lot of times we are misaligned. We are misaligned because there's just so much activity. And so we sometimes confuse busyness with productivity. And sometimes it causes us to be misaligned. So when there is a lack of clarity, people waste time and energy on the trivial many. When there's a lack of clarity, People waste time and energy. That's how you get to being a Martha when things are not fully prepared because you are not really clear on what you need to be doing in this moment. And so now we wasted a lot of time. We're wasting a lot of energy on the trivial many. So this is what we need to do, y'all. We need to have essential intent. Essential intent is when one decision that settles 1,000 later decisions is when I get clear on what my purpose is, that will settle a thousand decisions later. When I'm clear, but when I'm unclear, I'm involved in everything, I'm being pulled in a hundred different directions. One of the things that I love, that I glean from the life of Jesus is he was a person that operated with great clarity on purpose. Think about it. If Jesus would have been the type of person, the type of leader that didn't operate from clarity, when he has disciples pulling at him, sometimes he had his own mother pulling at him. He had religious leaders and all these people, all these people that needed ministry and healing and all this stuff from him. But Jesus operated from a posture of great clarity. The reason Jesus was able to accomplish as much as he did in just three short years is because Jesus was really clear on his purpose, on his assignment, and on who he was. That's what allowed him to be so 
effective and to have such an impact because Jesus operated from an essential posture. See, when I have essential intent, it guides your greatest, your greatest sense of purpose and helps you to chart your life's path. When I have clarity of my intent, it guards and guides the greater sense of purpose and helps to chart my life's my life's path. That's what we get. That's what we see best in the life of Jesus. Man, if Martha would have had clarity in that moment, she would have perhaps not been in the kitchen, but she would have probably chose the same posture <laughs> that Mary had in that instance if she would have been operating from a sense of clarity. Now, again, we need the ministry of Martha. What she's doing is needed and it is helpful. But here's the bigger question. Is this the priority of this moment when you have Jesus in your house? Right? Because Jesus rebukes or rebuts her when she's trying to get Jesus to get, to sway one way. Jesus rebuts her and says, your sister has chosen that which is better. So obviously Jesus is saying in this moment, Martha, you are making a bad decision. You're making a bad choice. You 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 haven't chose chosen wisely in this instant. You and that's the distinction between good and best. Martha, what you're doing is helpful and needed, but is that the best thing to be doing right now? That's why we need greater clarity. So here it is. One eliminate. Everybody say eliminate with me. Eliminate, then clarify. Everybody say clarify with me. Then here's the where, here's the next one. Are you ready? Dare. 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 This is a big one. Here's the point. The right no spoken at the right time can change everything. Can I empower some of you all tonight can I really set some of you all free? I want everybody to say it with me. No. Go ahead and type that. Type, type the word no. Say it out loud in your home, in your car. Say it out loud. Say the word no. See, let's be honest. Have you ever felt a tension between what you felt was right or what someone was pressuring you to do? You got these feelings of what's right or what you need to be doing, but then there's the pressure of what somebody else wants you to be doing. Now, what's interesting when I dig deeper into this text with Martha, I don't know who was imposing this pressure. Maybe it was the cultural understanding of having somebody like Jesus come into your home and then being the proper host and not wanting um, the reputation of not being a gracious and good host. And so now you have the cultural pressure of the context of the pressure of the climate of the day that now you um, are subjecting yourself to, and now you are taking on that pressure and then sometimes implying that pressure on your own self, because it's obvious maybe that that wasn't the, the attitude or the mindset of Jesus, because he in the front room chilling with Mary, and then he goes on to say she chose what was better. So maybe Jesus ain't even tripping on a, a meal right now or, or, or that 
the added pressure this in the same way that that Martha seems to be um, assuming this pressure onto herself and imposing this pressure onto herself, right? And so now, but a lot of us, I think sometimes um, we don't say no to things that we probably should say no to because we feel pressured. Maybe it's coming from your children. You don't want to be perceived as a bad mom, a bad dad, or a bad sibling, or a bad child, um, a bad friend, a bad church member, or you know, a coworker or neighbor. And so sometimes some of the things that we should say no to, we feel the pressure and we say yes, but we know in our heart and in our mind that we should be saying no. And so now we just keep adding on and taking on and, and piling on and, and our lives get more cluttered. And so now somebody wants you because especially with, oh man, don't be good at something. Don't be good at something, right? And the moment you are good at something or you are helpful or you are servant uh, and you, uh, and, and man, and people find out, guess what? They keep pulling on you and they keep pulling on you and asking you to serve. And a lot of times, even in my own life, I found, man, they want you to be on this board, this committee and this thing and it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's beneficial to the community. It's beneficial um, to people that, um, but man, if I say yes to all of that, remember the last couple of weeks we said there's always a trade-off. For every yes, I'm saying no to something else. So I have to learn the power of a gracious no. I, I got to learn the power of a gracious no. Man, if Jesus said no to some stuff, what does that say for me and you? If Jesus said no, then you and I must learn to say no. Now, here's a key thing that I think helps us do that. I must separate the decision from the relationship. I must separate the decision from the relationship, right? Sometimes I need to say no, but man, I can't say no to them, <laughs> right? I can't say no to them. This was my day off and I get that call. Can you run me here? Can you take me here? Can you do this? Man, this was my day off, but I can't say no to mama. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I can't say no to them. Yes, you can. I can, that's my sister. That's my brother. That's my best friend. Yes, you can. Sometimes, if I'm going to work from an essential posture, I have to separate the decision from the relationship. And that's sometimes a hard thing to do. Y'all remember when Jesus and his mother was at that wedding? When they had ran out of wine, and Jesus' mother there, they're there, they're as guests at the wedding, and and uh, and Jesus' mother Mary finds out that they've run out of wine. What does she do? She knows who her son is, and she goes and to her son and say, "Hey, do something about this. They run out of wine." And Jesus looked at his mother and he says, "My time has not yet come." <laughs> right. Jesus says that to his mother. My time has not yet come. The power of a gracious no, right? So I have to separate the decision from the relationship. 
Now, here's the other thing I got to do. So as we're going, type this in your comments, make these notes. Again, we got to eliminate was number one. We got to clarify number two. Then we have to dare to say no and learn the power of a gracious no. Then next, uncommit. 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 I love this quote by, by Josh Billings that says this. Half of the troubles of this life can be traced to saying yes too quickly and not saying no soon enough. Half of the troubles of this life can be traced to saying yes too quickly and not saying no soon enough. Isn't that powerful? When you think about it, how many times have we said yes too quickly and not said no soon enough? Amen. Have you ever continued to invest time or effort into something instead of cutting your losses and cutting it off? How many of us have overinvested, overextended ourselves into something that we should have cut off? Maybe for you, it was a relationship. You knew this relationship wasn't going nowhere. Y'all had been trying to figure out, I mean, are we serious? Are we dating? Are we associates or just what? But yet you kept investing your heart. You kept investing resources. You kept investing time and energy into something that never ended up panning out or even going anywhere. And then you are kicking yourself, right? Because you look back and think about how you over-invested time, effort into something that you knew you should have cut off. Some of us, when it comes to our ministries and some things that are just not working or an idea, something that's just not growing or we're stuck or I'm working a dead end job and I just keep because I just won't dare to to um, to, 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 to have the power of a gracious no or uncommit myself. I keep showing up. I keep showing up because I won't step out on faith knowing that I won't get a raise, knowing that there's no opportunity for growth for, for me here anymore. There's, there's, no, no, there's no upward mobility for me anymore, but yet I will not uncommit. And then what you will end up doing is allowing years of your life to go by where you are allowing the best of yourself to be um, underappreciated and undervalued because you simply won't operate and take the risk of faith to just cut your losses and move on. I don't know who this is for, but somebody needs to stop some things right now and just uncommit yourself to some relationships, to some committees, to some act, um, some activities, some engagement, some relationships, some friendships. You need to uncommit yourself and, and stop investing time, energy, and effort into something that really just needs to simply be cut off. Man, what if Martha would have just stopped investing time and energy into some of those things that she could have put off later or uncommitted herself to doing it to the level or to the extent that she was doing and really focused her energy and efforts on what was really better in that moment for her to do? 
Y'all, Jesus gives us the greatest remedy of cutting our losses. Jesus told his disciples, listen, if you go to a town or a village and you try to share and preach and proclaim and listen, you are not received. He said, listen, don't you keep investing. Don't you, don't you, don't you worry about it. He says, do this. He says, shake the dust, shake it, shake it off and, and keep it moving. That's the best advice I want to give somebody right now. You're trying to win people, trying to get people to like you and receive you and you're over investing and, and, uh, and you're um, giving your efforts instead of just cutting your loss. Hey, it didn't work out. Hey, the deal didn't work out. Hey, the business idea didn't work out. It turned out, it turned out not to be what I thought it was going to be. And instead of just continuing to invest, just cut your losses, shake the dust and move on uncommit yourself, uncommit yourself. That's what the next thing we got to do. Then one more thing we got for tonight. Well, two more things we got for tonight. Two more points we got for tonight. There is once I uncommit myself, then I must edit. I love what the author says in the book about this. He says, you must edit your, you must edit your life. You and I must take the role of an editor in your life. Now, if you've ever like I have, man, I'll never forget when I was working on my dissertation for my doctorate and um, I had to get sections and the whole document edited by a professional editor. And I'll never forget, man, how many times that document was just coming back in red ink. I mean, it had the blood of Jesus on that document at times, man. It was just so much red in terms of um, sentence structure and words taken out. You know, hey, I'm a preacher. So, you know, at times, y'all, we can be wordy. Even sometimes when my wife is reading over some of my stuff or adding, I say, hey, look at this and whatever, and she just get the marking my stuff up. And sometimes I get in my feelings. I'm like, hey, why you take that word out? You know, why you restructured it that way? Way. Why you said it this way? You know, my words, my words are holy. My words are from God. They coming right from the mouth of heaven. Why are you taking these words out and why are you rewording this, right? But man, if you let the editor do their job and do their work, they eliminate. But it's interesting, a good film editor makes it hard not to see what's important because they have a powerful and unique way that they eliminate everything but the elements that are absolutely absolutely need to be there. They eliminate. So, man, you, you, when an editor edits a film, they may do five and sometimes hundreds of cuts and takes, but, man, they start eliminating stuff from the background and images and all this kind of stuff the same way an editor does to a document. They eliminate things that don't need to be there, right? So they'll take out a word. They'll take it. They'll take out when you you it, when it's taking you two sentences to say something. Lord, I feel convicted right now, right? That you could really say in one, right? That's the job that an editor does. But an editor is someone who uses this, they use deliberate subtraction to actually add life to the idea, the setting, the plots, and the characters. It's called an editor's job. Their assignment is to use deliberate subtraction. Now, what if you and I became the editors of our life and we used deliberate subtraction? Somebody go ahead, 
put that word down, highlight that, deliberate subtraction. That when it comes to my life, I want to be the editor of my life. Because here's the thing, y'all. Nobody is going to edit your life but you. You can't depend on somebody to edit your life for you. You are going to have to be the one that edits your life. Nobody else is going to take that assignment up for you. You must take the role of the editor in your own life. Others are going to keep adding to your life. They're going to keep piling on. They're going to keep cluttering your life. You have to man up. You got to woman up. And you must become the editor of your own life. Now, when I do that, I use and I start using deliberate subtraction, but in my subtraction, it is actually adding life to my ideas, setting, plot, and characters. When I become the editor of my life and begin to use deliberate subtraction, I'm actually adding to my life. I'm adding value to my life. I'm becoming more productive. I'm becoming more effective. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to maximize quality time. And I begin to focus really on what is essential in life. And so I'm really adding to my life when I begin to use deliberate subtraction. So I got to edit. I got to become the editor of my own life. I got to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to make me more discerning. And I now have to become the editor of my own life. Jesus with Martha becomes the editor because he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on here. So let's edit some of this. Let's edit. Mary has chosen that which is better. She has only a few things, only a few things. Martha, you're here. You're, you're, you're wide. Let's narrow it down. Let's trim it down. Let's edit some of this. All of the preparations that you're trying to pull others in, Jesus says, no, 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 Martha. Martha, you're worried and anxious about many, but only few things are important. Only indeed one. Man, do you see how Jesus narrows that down? Mary has chosen that which is better. And guess what? It will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken away from her. It will not. It will not. When you begin to deliberately subtract from your life, guess what? Jesus says it won't be taken away from you. So after I edit, then I got a limit. I got a limit. Once I edit, I draw new lines now. I begin to set new boundaries, right? The disappearance of boundaries is typical in this era. And the problem is because we live in this era of technology has really complicated and blurred the lines between work and family. Everybody has a phone. We, we, we have people have access to us all the time, all throughout the day. And that because of that, Boundaries are little like little walls that are like more so like sandcastles. And the second we let one fall over, the rest of them come crashing down. So I got to limit. I got to set proper boundaries. I got to manage my social media and who has access to me and all of this kind of stuff. Because the, one, the moment I let one fall, 
all of the rest of them come crashing down with them just the same. So I got to become, I got to set limits. I got to set limits. I got to set limits, right? So now when I begin to do these things, let's recap as we get ready to close. I got to set limits. That's what Jesus does in his words to Martha about Mary. Jesus says, hey, she chosen that which is better and it won't be taken from her. That's He, he sets a limit. He sets a boundary. Martha is trying to impose on that boundary. But I love it. Jesus sticks up for Mary. He sticks up for Mary and says, hey, that's not going to be taken away from her. Man, can we think about that when it comes to our time, when it comes to how we manage and how we live our lives, how much things, how much stuff gets taken away from us? Jesus says, hey, no, she's sitting here at my feet. There's a line that Jesus draws and says, Martha, you ain't going to take that away from her. He sets that limit. He sets that boundary. When we begin to live lives of essentialism and become focused on what's really essential, there will be limits. And now we got to really mark these boundaries when it comes to relationships, when it comes to coworkers, when it comes to my church community, when it comes to my personal life, when it comes time with my family, time with my spouse, time for myself. Guess what, y'all? I got to have these boundaries. And boundaries, man, are like the little walls of a sandcastle. The second one falls, if I ain't careful, all of them will come crashing down. I love, I love what Jesus does in this passage. Man, the walls, the boundaries that Mary set up by sitting at his feet, Jesus did not allow Martha to come and crash it down, to come help her in the kitchen. He keeps the boundary wall that Mary had established with the decision that she had made to sit at his feet. So here's what we got to do. Write these words down. I got to limit. I got to edit. I got to uncommit. I got to dare to say no. I got to clarify and I got to eliminate. So when we go to our question tonight, how can we cut away the trivial many it is going to be through my process of elimination, through me getting clarity on my purpose, to, from me daring to say no, from me uncommitting myself to a lot of things that are cluttered in my life. I have to become the editor of my life. I have to then set limits and set proper boundaries in relationships and activities. When I begin to do those things, I now can begin to cut away the things that are a part of the trivial many to get down to what really is essential. I hope this blessed you tonight. I hope this has added value to your life. And this has been a blessing to you tonight um, and that you can now begin to take um, these points and, the, and begin to apply these principles to your life so you can begin to live 
a life of essentialism. If this blessed you, go ahead and put some comments up. Let me know tonight how this blessed you. Make comments, put them in the comment section. If you got questions, go ahead and drop them in there. Um, if it's something you want me to add more or say more about next week, or um, if you got a questions, maybe we'll open up next week with some of the questions that you may have from tonight's lesson and discussion tonight. So go ahead and put those there in the comment section. If you are joining us for the first time tonight, please go ahead and um, share that in the comment section. I would love to be able to connect with you later um, at a later time after this is over um, tonight. And there are many in our community, a part of our family that would just love on you real quickly now um, if this is your first time sharing with us tonight. I hope this blessed you tonight. I've enjoyed sharing this. I hope this is empowering your life. Um, thank God for all of you. I know many of you tried um, last week um, to download the podcast and our YouTube channel. There are things that are being worked on right now with some of the content that we're adding um, to these platforms. And so give us just a little time to work out um, some of the kinks and um, get some of the content and some of the information loaded up. I'm looking forward to um, building this community uh, for the ABC family to keep you encouraged, to keep you empowered, and to keep us growing um, through the resources that we are providing um, through these various platforms. Listen, I look forward to having you all join us on Sunday morning um, at 9.30 for um, our Word and Worship. Look forward to seeing you there. Facebook Live will be right back on Sunday morning um, at 9.30 and also um, on our church's webpage as well um, for our Sunday morning time in worship. Y'all, can you believe it's a special day, y'all? It will be 8 years um, Sunday morning that I've had the privilege to serve as pastor um, of Abyssinia Baptist Church. 18 years. Lady J um, is in the room here with me now. We've just been reflecting and thinking and just talking about, man, we cannot believe how the time has gone um, over this journey. And so, y'all, we have some special things that we're going to be doing on Sunday and through the month of um, um, May to just kind of reflect over our 18-year journey and some of the moments of, of growth, some of the times of testing, some of the triumphs, some of the tests, some of the highs and lows. We're going to just kind of be recapping those um, over um, the month of May. And along with us celebrating 18 years of ministry, y'all, I have been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for 27 years. And man, we're going to be recapping um, um, one of our ministers and some have given me the idea to just go through the archives and pick out some of my favorite sermons and texts um, over the um, over the 27 years to kind of just recap them and see how I would interpret them now. And so we're going to have some fun in the month of May and revisit some stuff um, that um, that we've done over the years and just kind of re reminisce over some of the powerful messages and the words that God has given us. And so listen, let me say this. If you got a personal favorite, if you got a sermon that really blessed you and really resonated with you and, and um, spoke to your life, listen, put Put it in the comments. Send me a text this message this week. Put it on Facebook, and I'm gonna revisit some of these sermons and some of these texts. Lady J is already giving me her list of things over the years, um, and so you just send me your stuff this week. We are gonna add it to the list and just kind of pick some and reflect on and 
and and and and do some different things with this over the course of this month as we celebrate 27 years. Can y'all believe it, y'all? Um, I've been preaching 27 years and pastoring 18 years, and so I'm excited about this month. Listen, the pandemic ain't gonna steal my joy. It ain't gonna steal my sense of celebrating what God has done in the life of our ministry and in my life personally. God bless you. Let's pray um, and let's get ready um, to, to, to go for tonight. Father, thank you for all that you're doing and for the awesome ways, God, that you're growing us and you're speaking to us. And God, as we commit to this journey of, um, of reprocessing and discerning what really is essential in this season, God, give us the power, give us the courage to commit to a new way of living, that we will be more productive and that we will have greater effectiveness in our lives. For every person listening to this, God, I pray for them. I speak over their life. I pray for every listener. I pray for everyone joining us tonight. We thank you, God, for what we shall become. In Jesus' name, we thank you, and we all say together, amen. God bless you, and have a great night. Thank you.